So, again, thank you for coming. It's wonderful, uh, ex excellent to be back in uh, Tucson. Today's class is uh, Srimad Bhagavatam, First Canto, Chapter 4, Text 17 and 18, and we're going to chant 17. <clears throat> Bauti Kanam. Bhavanam Shakti Asam Chatam Ashradhanam I said it wrong. Ashradhanam Nishatvam Dumedham Ras Rasita Rasita Rasitu Saha Rasita Yusaha Rasita Yusaha Rasita Bhotikanam Cha Bhotikanam Cha Bhavanam Bhotikanam Cha Bhavanam Shakti Rasam Cha Tatkrita Shakti Rasam Vishwadhanam Nishat Nishat Nishatvam Asradhanam Nishatvam Dwarmedham Shakti Rasam Chakha Chatatritam Shakti Rasam Chatatritam
You gotta go for it. Go for it. Oh gosh, okay. You <coughs> oh god, I just totally lost my voice, but I'll try. Okay. <coughs> oh no, I'm too embarrassed. It's okay. Really? No, that's perfectly. You, you can do it. I know you can. Okay. <laughs> Very good. Very good. And the second verse, 18, is Bhuragams Chajanam Viksha Bhuvir Divena Chaksusha Sarva Varnashramam Nam Yad Dadyo Vitam Amogadri. So let's do the word for word. Bodhi Karam Bodhi Karam Cha Cha Also also, of everything, of everything that is made of matter, that is made of matter. Bhavanam, Bhavanam actions, actions Shakti, Shakti Risham, Risham cha, cha and deterioration, and deterioration of natural power, of natural power. Tatkritam, Tatkritam <coughs> rendered by that of the faithless, of the faithless, impatient, due to the want of the mode of goodness, due to the want of the mode goodness, Ayushaha, Ayushaha of duration duration of life. Durvagamcha also the unlucky. Janan people in general. Viksha by sea. Muni the Muni. Divyena by transcendental. Chakshusha, vision, sarva, who knows what sarva is? Ah, good. Varna ashranam, of all the statuses of and orders of life. Yat, what? Dadhayu, contemplated. Itam, welfare. Amogadrik, one who is fully equipped in knowledge. Translation, the great sage, this is talking about Shula Vyasadev. The great sage who was fully equipped in knowledge could see through his transcendental vision the deterioration of everything material due to the influence of the age. He could also see that the faithless people in general would be reduced in duration of life and would be impatient due to lack of goodness. 
Thus he contemplated for the welfare of men in all statuses and orders of life. You can see the heart of the, of the devotees. So I'll say, and you can repeat, the great sage, the great sage who was fully equipped, who was fully equipped in, knowledge, in knowledge could see, could see through, his transcendental vision, through his transcendental vision the deterioration of everything material. Due to the influence of the age, he could also see that the faithless people in general would be reduced in duration of life and would be impatient due to lack of goodness. Thus he contemplated for the welfare of men in all statuses and orders of life. Men and women too. When it says men, it means women too. Translation by His Divine Grace, Srila A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami, Srila Prabhupada. Purportedly. The manifested forces of time are so powerful that they reduce all matter to oblivion in due course. In Kali Yuga, the last millennium of the round of four millenniums, the power of all material objects deteriorates by the influence of time. In this age, the duration of the material body of the people in general is much reduced, and so is the memory. The action of matter has also not so much incentive. The land does not produce food grains in the same proportions as it did in other ages. The cow does not give as much milk as it used to give formerly. The production of, of vegetables and fruits is less than before. As such, all living entities, both men and animals, do not have sumptuous nourishing food. Due to the want of so many necessities of life, Naturally, the duration of life is reduced. The memory is short. Intelligence is meager. Mutual dealings are full of hypocrisy and so on. Sounds like today, doesn't it? The great sage Vyasadeva could see <clears throat> this by his transcendental vision. As an astrologer can see the future fate of a man, or an astronomer can see can foretell the solar and lunar eclipses. Those liberated souls who can see through the scriptures can foretell the future of all mankind. <coughs> they can see this due to their sharp vision of spiritual attainment. And all such transcendentalists who are naturally devotees of the Lord are always eager to render welfare service to the people in general. They are the real friends of the people in general, not all, not the so-called public leaders who are unable to see what is to happen five minutes ahead. In this age, the people in general, as well as their so-called leaders, are all unlucky fellows. That's the Burbagam's cha, the unlucky folks. Everyone's unlucky. The leaders and the followers are unlucky. They're faithless in spiritual knowledge and influenced by the age of Kali. 
They are always disturbed by various diseases. For example, in the present age, there are so many TB, TB patients and TB hospitals, and formerly there was not so much, uh, uh, this was not so because the time was not so unfavorable. The unfortunate men of this age are always reluctant to give a reception to the transcendentalists who are the representatives of Srila Vyasadeva and selfless workers always busy in planning something which may help, which may help everyone in all statuses of, and orders of life. The greatest philanthropists are those transcendentalists who represent the mission of Vyas, Nara, Madhav, Chaitanya, Rupa, Saraswati, etc. They are all one and the same. The personalities may be different, but the aim of the mission is one and the same, namely to deliver the fallen souls back home, back to Godhead. Om Agyam Timalindas Yagadam Janam Shemakaya Chakshu Unmilitam Jena Tasmai Sri Gurve Namaha Sri Chaitanya Manodishtam Stapitam Jena Uttale Swayam Uttaparamaya once again, the verse. The great sage, who was fully equipped in knowledge, could see through his transcendental vision the deterioration of everything material due to the influence of the age. He could also see that the faithless people in general would be reduced in duration of life and would be impatient due to lack of goodness. Thus, the con thus he contemplated for the welfare of men in all statuses and orders of life. So we can see here the, the heart of uh, Krishna and, and Krishna's devotees. You see, uh, Srila Vyasadeva is sitting and he's seeing the future and he's looking into this age and he sees the, um, the unfortunate situation of the people in general. You see, so he begins to feel uh, uncomfortable for us, for the people in this age, you see. Now, we can see right away uh, a huge difference between the devotee one who has a, a devotional mind, and the materialist. The materialist would be trying to see, if he could see into the future, what will my fortune be? How much money will I have? How long will I live? How healthy will I be when I get into old age? How handsome will I be? How many girlfriends will I have? You know? How far can I hit the golf ball? You see? <laughs> Where will I live? Uh, what golf course will I play? Who will be my friends? You know, like that. Where is the, the uh, concern for our fellow man? So, this is one thing Prabhupada said. Uh, well, he said it more than once, but one time he said it, uh, it, it struck me very, very much that your enemy is self-interest. Self-interest is your 
enemies. As I travel around the country, I go to a lot of yoga salons or yoga studios, and I'm talking, uh, and I'll ask people, I'll say, hey, what do you think the world needs right now? What do we need to do to improve our life, to be more spiritual, to be happier? And you know what one of the most common things is that I hear? Somebody is going to say, I think we should learn to love ourselves. You know. In other words, I think we should be just the opposite from Shulabhyasadeva. I think we should be selfish instead of selfless. I think I should think more about I, me, and mine than you and yours. And how can I help you? In other words, how can I engage you in my loving devotional service? <laughs> Not how may I serve you. You see? So spiritual consciousness is upside down and backwards from material consciousness. You see? It's reversed. It's opposite. It's, it's a good rule of thumb is when you're talking to a materialist, do the opposite of what they say. You know, if you ask, if you ask directions from a materialist, they tell you to go north, you should head south. Or <laughs> upside down. Really? Their thinking is all about me. It's all about me. And your value to me is based on how much I can enjoy you or how much enjoyment you can give me. You know, if I, uh, if I go out in a public place with you and people think you're attractive and you're with me, they're going to think I'm something special. So... I see a value in having you with me on my arm because people will think I'm very, very special. You see, because I have a beautiful lady. If I if if, if I hang around with uh, gentlemen with taste, then they're going to think I'm a gentleman of taste. You see. In other words, I want you for what I can get from you. you see? I'm not looking, and, and I'm I'm not looking to help you. I'm going to hang on to what I have. I'm not looking to give you anything. Now, at the same time, everyone else is thinking, I want to see what I can get from you. you see? So it's just it's this concept. This is the nature of Kali Yuga. I wanna uh, I wanna use you and you want to use me. So it's okay if you use me as long as that doesn't interfere with my using you. And it's like we were talking we were talking last night, I think, about how people choose their friends nowadays. If you talk to a lot of people, you can see, uh, let's say people who are going to start dating maybe get serious, maybe even lead to matrimony, you see. So, uh, well, the first thing they do is they have sex. Then they try to figure out if it's going to work, you know. Well, let's see. Uh, what was it we were talking? Oh yeah. What's your favorite color? What's your, who's your favorite band? This is you know. <laughs> I'm trying to find out if I'm going to keep you. You know. So. Uh, what's your favorite food? What's your favorite movie? Yada yada blah blah blah. You see. So. Just, now, but it, it it gets more involved than that. What people are trying to find out is do your neuroses match up with my neuroses? Exactly. You see? Because 
you know, I, I may not be the smartest guy in the world, but I know I've got some crazy sides. And I want to see if your craziness matches up with my craziness. If it does, we might have a future. This could really work for a while. Because I want to be crazy. It's just like um, sometimes people say, give me an example. Okay, let's say, um, let's say I like to smoke cigarettes. I've got to find out if you like to smoke cigarettes. If you don't like to smoke cigarettes, well, you're going to think I'm kind of a nut. Well, why are you doing this? You're killing yourself. You know, it smells bad and it's killing your lungs, you see? But if I see you light up, I think, hey, you're just as crazy as I am. So you're not going to think I'm a nut when I smoke. You're going to think I'm okay. And you're not going to complain because I smell up the house. You see? I smell bad. You smell bad. My clothes stink. Your clothes stink. My hair stinks. Your hair stinks. My car smells like cigarettes, and your car smells like cigarettes. This could work. You see? I like to get intoxicated. You like to get intoxicated. You're not going to make fun of me because I like to get intoxicated. So, all right, you like to smoke and you like to drink. Okay, you see what I mean? So I'm trying to find out if if my uh, craziness will align with yours, because I can enjoy you more if if you're about as crazy as I am. I don't want you a lot crazier. I don't want you any less crazy about as crazy as I am because when I'm with you and you're as crazy as I am we don't feel so crazy now do we? It's the rest of the world. I mean here we are sitting in our living room puffing away and it's the rest of those idiots that are so mamby-pamby about smoking. You know, you see what I mean? So we have, we have a future. We have something we can share. So uh, uh, I like to lead an, an unhealthy lifestyle, and you like an unhealthy lifestyle. Well, it's just going to work. It could work the other way. What if I'm a, a, I'm a health nut, and you're a health nut? Ah, so our neuroses match up. Uh, so the materialist is always looking uh, on how I can enjoy and whom I can enjoy. And if I have to, we'll enjoy together. Okay, I'll look, I'll look for somebody. I'll let you, we'll enjoy together. But as, as long as I'm getting my enjoyment, then you can have some too. So it goes, it goes on like that. This is the nature of the material world. It's very animalistic. It's like that song, um, Sub and want to use you. Some of them want to be used by Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I heard that. And so it's like, how do we make the click from being materialistic? Because everybody, it sounds really great. We think, yeah, we're not like those people. We want to be spiritual. But then it's like, so how do I not enjoy materialistically? Because everybody wants to enjoy. We all want to enjoy. Oh, yeah. But you know, the thing of it is, when you come around the devotees, it doesn't take you long to figure out, man, these guys are enjoying like everything. We enjoy a lot more than, than the materialists. I mean, I mean, we start early in the morning. We're smelling the incense offered to the deities. First of all, the, the, uh, the curtain opens, we get to see the deities. Even before that, we hear the beautiful 
sound of the conch shell. The conch shell is really, really beautiful, you know. Even before that, we come into the temple room and we see the beautiful, uh, the, the room itself. And the devotees, the devotees are so beautiful to see. You see the devotees of Krishna, it's always attractive, you know. Everyone's clean, they've got fresh tilak on, nice clean cloth. It's just, you see what I mean? So we're enjoying, we're smelling the flowers offered to the deities. We see beautiful things, we're singing, we're dancing, and then uh, we sit and have a, uh, an enlivening material, uh, uh, excuse me, mental exchange, uh, intellectual exchange about Krishna and spiritual life. And then we sit down and have a sumptuous breakfast together. So it's you know. really about, like in matters of science, it's about learning, um, what is it? Uh, pressure, pressure, but in relation, or density, or ratios, like all these different equations, but all in relation to Krishna. Exactly. So that we know when to enjoy and when not to enjoy. And ultimately, it's all in yeah. it's Actually, the devotee's enjoyment really doesn't stop. You know, people people think, well, you've got to be austere, and you've got to be, you know. But an austerity is something that, that's, uh, it, it depends on your point of view. It's, uh, uh, here's a perfect example. Uh, when you first become a devotee, if you're fond of eating meat, to give up meat is a great austerity. Isn't it? You think, are you crazy? I gotta give up happy meals? It's barbecue? I gotta give up barbecue just to become a, a devotee of Krishna? Well, that's a big austerity. So you think, all right, I'm gonna try, because the philosophy sounds good. I'm gonna try to give up meat. You know, no more KFC and all this whatever. So what am I gonna do when McRib comes back? I'm a vegetarian, you know. So, so it's an austerity. But then, after you have a change of heart, you become purified. Now, how big of an austerity would it be to eat meat? What if that's all you had? Let's say you're you're locked up in a foreign jail, and it's all they'll give you is meat, nothing but meat. Well, that's a big austerity. You're not going to think, oh, wow. You're like, oh, this is horrible. So what changed? The meat is the same. Your point of view changed. You see, that's that's called a paradigm shift. Your paradigm shifted. You see it differently. So the things that materialists may think are austerities, the devotees think are sweet and wonderful getting up early in the morning and singing and dancing and smelling flowers and incense to to somebody who's been partying out on 4th Street last night. That's ridiculous. That's a big austerity. But to us, it's a treat. You see. The Lord is here and His devotees are here and they're waiting for us. We get to go take association of Krishna and His devotees. We get to go see. We get to go chant Hare Krishna in front of the very personalities who spread this chanting of Hare Krishna. You know, what a treat. This is so, it's, it's, a, it's a sweet lifestyle. It's enjoyment every minute, you see. Uh, it's, when we get together, uh, 
Where's the mundane conversation? You know, we sat down last night, and what are we talking about? How do we distribute more books? How do we do this? <laughs> How do we get into Walmart? How do we, you know, do we get? He's coming up with ideas and concepts, and so in other words, and it was very enlivening. Why? Because we're thinking of ways to please Guru and Krishna. Yes. When one time uh, Jarrell had to do an errand at Walmart, so Mary and I went with him, and he goes, Melina, go up to the cashier and ask her to uh, page Hari Krishna. And I said, no way, I'm not doing it. So he went up to her and he said, oh, excuse me, a friend of ours is missing and we need to find him. Could you page his for us? She said, sure, that's no problem. So she gave him, he gave her the name and she said, um, Hare Krishna? Hare Krishna? Would Hare Krishna please come to the front? The whole place is being purified. Leave it to Jarrell to think like that. Did you have a question? Don't you think that point of going from, say, materialist person into devotee, what I've seen myself is the, the essence of like being able to listen to the birds, being able to let you get up early, as you said, and to be able to like literally look at the flowers and look at everything like how Krishna looks at things. And, and so yeah. that's the joy. I mean, and knowing that you've got to have something that's going to be amazing. Well, and, and you know, the materialists, they say poetic things. You, know, you, you see on Facebook people who aren't really, you know, there's, even though we associate with mostly devotees, there's, somebody has a friend who's a non-devotee, and it just kind of works out to where you get these things that, that, that come on Facebook that have nothing to do with Krishna consciousness. They're all it's com completely material. And they say these poetic sounding things. Like, uh, as you go through life, don't forget to stop and smell the roses. You don't have to tell a devotee to do that. We smell flowers all the time. We notice. What do you see? When you see a, a beautiful flower, what's the first thing you think of? Oh, I wish I could take that offer to the deities. What if that guy would shoot me if I got in his front yard and stole that flower? Maybe I better not. But boy, if I thought I could get away with it, I, you know. You see? Now, how many people walk by and they never even notice that flower? You see? Because uh, they're impatient. People are impatient. They're impatient due to lack of goodness, it says in this verse. Due to the lack of goodness. Now, does that mean everybody's mean? It means they're in the mode of passion and ignorance. Very few people are in the mode of goodness. You see, practicing Krishna consciousness has a tendency to push you into the mode of goodness. In the mode of goodness, you start to think of your fellow man as the welfare of your fellow man. And sometimes people ask me, well, you know, you don't seem like you're, you know, really in, into uh, saving the planet. I say, I'm into saving the planet. Well, they're looking for me to be part of a club, you know, uh, the Save the Planet Club, the uh, So-and-So's Rights Club, the, the pro-life, negative life, or, you know, whatever they are, anti-gun owners and the gun owners, and you see, they want me to join, you know, they, they want us to endorse something. 
What they don't understand is we stand for everybody's rights. Everybody's rights. The, uh, the non-gun owners and the, and the gun owners too. We, 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 we think everybody should have their rights. We don't deny anybody their rights. I mean, we're for animal rights. We're for the rights of the planet, you see. You take all of the special interest groups, every one of them, and put them together, we're for all of them. Because we're looking out for the benefit of everybody. I'm not going to leave you out because you have a gun. I'm not going to leave you out because you're a woman. I'm not going to leave somebody out because they're gay. You know? We don't make these uh, distinguishments. We want to help everybody go back home, back to Gaia. Not just the human beings. All living entities. We want to benefit everybody. We are the advocate of everybody. So we are, and if we're not, we better get better at it. We're the best friend of everybody. So you can walk around, you can navigate your day knowing that as you associate with people, you're their very best friend. And that, that you're not complimenting yourself or patting yourself on the back. You've walked out with a message from Srimad Bhagavatam and you've got it. You've got the message of Bhagavad Gita. You associate with Krishna's devotees. You see? Just because you are who you are, you're everybody's very best friend. You see? And and ever well-wisher. You're everybody's well-wisher. You see, we're not looking to uh, uh, to push anybody down. You see, in the material world, we, I, I've got to have. I got to. For me to be a good guy, I've got to have a bad guy opposite me. You know, and um, and that way I'll get into a clique of people that are a certain way. And I want, the reason why is because I, I saw that guy over there and I thought, he is so cool. I mean, the way he talks about this or that or whatever, I'm thinking, I kind of feel that way too. And if I can, if I can talk like him, people are going to see me the way I see him and everything. I'm a really cool guy too. You know, really, wow, what a compassionate soul he is. I want to appear compassionate. Because it's all about me. <laughs> How can you be compassionate? Think about it. It's, a, it's an oxymoron. How can you be compassionate if it's all about you? If I'm being compassionate to impress you, I'm not being yes. compassionate. Yes. I'm thanking it. That's not to do. So, so I have a question. How do you deal with people who are totally hypocritical they're trying to be show that they're very compassionate, but they actually are not your well-wishers. And you can see right through them. Mm. So how do you deal with them? I mean, you can say, <coughs> I often say to myself, take a deep breath, think about the goodness in them. Mm -hmm. Everybody has Atma in them. They're jivas struggling just like I am. Just like us. Yes, but they can hurt you on a material plane. Yeah. So what do you do then? How do you counter that? Well. I like to have a little fun with it, you know. <laughs> so, you know, um, the rascal in me comes out when I get around people like that. Because I'll, I'll ask them, 
it's, it's, it's sometimes very good. It helps you a lot. Uh, and it's easy for me to pretend to be dumb. And so you start to ask them questions that will embarrass them. I can't think of any right now. Like, well, you know, uh, do, do you do this all the time? You know, do you go to this charity, charity event? Do you do this charity act, uh, activity that they're bragging about? Do you do, you do that every day? Like, oh, uh, you know. Oh, well, no, not every day. Oh, okay, well, what's it, uh, three times, two times, four times a week? Oh, no, not that one. You know, so you just kind of like pretend to be a little dumb and just kind of ask them embarrassing questions. You know, I mean, you got to, don't back them into a corner or they'll get angry, but I just like to do that. Sometimes as they speak, they hear what they're saying and they realize that they're not that great after all. You know, it's like sometimes, uh, um, I mean, we can see it in all walks of life. People are like that. You know, they, they I, I have a certain status that I've convinced myself that I have, and I want you to see me as I'm seeing myself. So they start to brag about something that they do, you know, because it's all about them. You see, rather than asking questions, inquiring about you. How are you? How are you doing? But it's so phony. It is they phony. Don't give, they don't care at all yeah. if you want to drop dead tomorrow. Yeah. But they're pretending. Yeah. Uh, but you know, with all their they're pretending. supposed charm. Yeah. You know, how you are. And, but, so, in a way, it's wonderful yeah. that I come here, no, I come to the temple in the morning and even if I'm not at the temple, I try to connect with my own spiritual side mm -hmm. before I embark on the day. Because you're going to encounter numerous such people yeah. all day long. And, and when you they have start to maintain to, your own center without without when they start to try to impress you with their uh, uh, charity, you know the way they do ch charitable activities, just say that is so marvelous. You are. I am so glad that I met you. You know, so I'm, I'm so happy to see somebody like you because, you know, at our temple, we're involved in all kinds of things. So I thought maybe you'd come and help us on when we go down for, to feed the... You know, oh, and speaking of which, we had um, a, a lovely lady here, a devotee, and she was singing, doing kirtan with my daughter. And she was asked, both of them, my daughter was chanting loudly, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, along with Virginia to stop singing because it was disturbing the people. They didn't want to hear her <laughs> It was disturbing them because they are probably and they're here? Southern Baptists or whatever. They were here? They don't want to hear the word at the hospice. Oh, at the hospice. Oh. <laughs> so I'm just telling you, it's yeah. such a strange world. Yeah. So I said, well, next time sing Ave Maria and Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but if, you know, try to engage them like that. Just say you're so you do so. No, they didn't charitable. come out. You they're, can come they're, and help they're us. They're cowards. They don't come out and say who is the one who is complaining. Yeah. They just say complaints are being made. It's like a generic. Probably yeah. Down. Which is yeah. a way of saying I don't like it. You're right. We don't complain. Yeah. Did you have a? Yeah, I love what you're saying about like when you're around people who are extremely, you know, I've encountered, for example, like um, 
certain groups of uh, Jehovah's Witnesses very aggressive in their style of preaching, but not truly caring for, in my feeling, the real human soul. They're in it because they're a community and they know, it's like they know how they have a very high developed technique of, um, of, of kindness, sort of like McDonald's. Like the people at McDonald's, they give you these big smiles. We're feeding you death, you know? We do not care, we are making money, you know, and it's like fear-based. So there's that level where you can, that you can actually kill them back with kindness. Yeah. Kill them back, test their own, test their strength. And say, yeah, I'm right there with you. I see what you're doing. But then there's the place where people like you're saying that there's not compassion there because people are really scared. Yes. And they actually want you to be like, hey, I don't feel any compassion from you. Oh God, thank you because I'm looking at you, and you're so filled with compassion and truth. You, 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 you know, hit the nail on the head. The devotee is like Krishna. Krishna shoots <coughs> arrows of flowers. Look at the last line of Gayatri. He was talking of Krishna, who's, who shoots uh, arrows of flowers. You see, so uh, our our weapons are compassion. Yeah. You know, and. We don't have to get. We don't have to sink to their level to compete with them. You know, we don't have to. We don't have to do that. We just have to be devotees. The the, the strength of being a devotee makes you uh, uh, unmaterial. You become transcendental, and there's really no. They, there's no way they, they they can compete with you. Did you have a question? Do you find that in that aspect? Don't you find that more? Insecurity of the person, oh, of person because they're so insecure that they put on the persona. Yeah, and and that aspect is to love them more and to you know like say you know what I know that face I was just like you. I, I you know and to have the compassion side to them that's really coming back and saying I can feel your pains I know it's where you are. Yeah, I understand what it's like. If you get into the mode of goodness. <clears throat> then all of a sudden, you're going to kind of stick out like a sore thumb. You're not going to be the impatient guy. Everybody else is impatient. They're not in the mode of goodness. They're in the mode of passion and ignorance. So here you are in the mode of goodness, maybe a step ahead in the mode of pure goodness. You see? So you're not an impatient guy. You've got, you're calm. You're patient. You act like you've got plenty of time to give them. And so on, immediately they can see there's a huge difference. So they have a tendency to listen to what you have to say. Because you're talking about their favorite subject. Them. You're trying to help them. You know? You put it in a complaint box. Why isn't anybody saying I just want to reverse it? I'm going to be late. Yeah. Yeah, you should put yeah, complaints in the, in, the, in the hospice. My complaint, not enough Hare Krishna said. And if we all if we all do that, then after a while they'll say, we're getting a lot of complaints, there's not enough Hare Krishna. I guess we better have more Hare Krishna. Be like at Kmart, you know, Hare Krishna. So, um, there was something in the purport that I wanted to touch on. Uh, Oh, I remember now. In closing, Prabhupada is talking about 
The greatest philanthropists are those transcendentalists who represent the mission of Vyas, Narad, Madhav, Chaitanya, Rupa, Saraswati, etc. They are all one and the same. They're all one and the same, but they're not. He goes on, the personalities may be different, but the aim of the mission is one and the same, namely, to deliver the fallen souls back home, back to Godhead. You see, this sums up the mission of the International Society for Krishna Consciousness. Why are we here? We're not here just to smell the flowers and to just to chant Hare Krishna. We want to deliver all fallen conditioned souls back to Godhead. We are, uh, we're only here for the benefit of all other living entities. You see, that's our function. That's what we do. We try to help everyone go back home, back to Godhead. You see. So that means we are, a, and always have been, a preaching movement. We preach. You see. Srila uh, Rupa Goswami talks about, uh, in, in his uh, Nectar of Instruction, uh, Nectar of Devotion, he talks about following in the footsteps of the previous acharyas. You see, we follow in the footsteps of the previous acharyas. You see, that's what we do. Now, we may from time to time come up with a new idea, um, a way that we can spread this, our mission. But basically, we follow in the footsteps. We know what works. It's been demonstrated to us. So that means Krishna Kata, talking about Krishna to someone, Krishna Kirtan, chanting Hare Krishna with people getting them engaged in chanting Hare Krishna, and sharing Krishna Prasadam. You see, getting people to take spiritual food that's been offered to Krishna. Now, any way you want to combine those things or whatever, but as long as you've got those ingredients, you will be successful. People will become devotees and they will become elevated to the spiritual platform. You see, we, we want to adapt the mood of Srila Prabhupada and the previous Acharyas. Now, you can get as creative with your preaching methods as you want if you can adapt the mood of Srila Prabhupada. Now, what does that mean? All right. Uh, for instance, in the Archanapanati, in the Archanapanati, it talks about uh, how to uh, worship the deity, the mantras to say, and how clean to be. It also talks about how you behave in the temple. You see, the Archanapanati is like the, the law book for worship, worshiping uh, the deity, Archanavigra. Okay? So, it says that one should not enter the temple room in an unclean state. You should bathe. Get up in the morning, bathe. One should not enter the temple room with dirty clothing. You should wear clean cloth. You know, or you know, when it becomes, you can tell when your cloth is too dirty to go to the temple. You see, one should not cry in front of the deities, unless it's tears of, of ecstasy will come uncontrollable. But you know, like if you're sad and you're crying, okay. One should not pass urine in front of the deities. One should not pass foul air in front of the deities. Do you see where we're going? Can you see the mood? 
one should be clean and respectful. Okay? But it doesn't say not to pass stool in front of the deity. The Archonopiety doesn't say to do that. So is that okay? Is it okay to pass stool in front of the deity? It doesn't say not to. But you can see the mood. So if we pay attention, we can see Srila Prabhupada's mood. Not that we want to start our own mood. We want to get with his mood and the mood of the previous Acharyas who followed in their footsteps. You see, that's one thing we always have to, to, to do. We can get as creative as we want as long as we stay in the mood of the previous Acharyas. Because we're here to serve them, you know, not our, ourselves. So. All right, I think it's uh, time to wrap it up. Thank you all so much. All voices, real well done. Thank you.